0: Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe. Parents don't understand their kids. Kids don't understand their parents. If only they could switch places for a day and find out what it's really like to be the other person. Sound familiar? Well, here's a clip from the trailer of the movie Family Switch.
1: I worry that we're all kind of disconnected. Did
0: you ask me something? Hmm? What? Okay, Good 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 night. Meet the Walker family.
1: Cece, do you think it's good for you to
2: live like this?
0: Cece kicks a ball to mom.
2: You're really not supposed to use your hands.
0: They're growing up.
2: Why a family
1: meeting downstairs, let's go.
2: Can you help me with this problem? I'm kidding, you can't help me.
1: No, I
0: can't. And growing apart.
1: We are going to make a happy memory as a family.
0: They visit a planetarium.
1: I wish you could be me. I would love for you to be me for
2: one day. I would love for you to know what it's like to be me. I would kill to eat a dozen donuts and just have it burn
1: right off. Would you take a picture of my family, please? Everybody say Merry Christmas.
0: As a little old lady takes their picture, a bolt from space hits the observatory. The next morning, at home.
2: <laughs> what are you doing in my bed? Here yeah,
0: in my bed. Why am I Wait. in your bed, Mom?
1: What is happening? <gasps> That's me. Safety? Mom? Why?
0: the family stares in a mirror (laughs) (laughs) the family switch stars jennifer gardner and ed helms and entertainment critic amy amanti from vancouver has a review of that film hello amy
2: hello alex
0: okay so what was it about family switch amy that made you want to hit play on this one
2: well, um, you know, nothing in particular, I think, other than the fact that um, it popped up in my uh, my feed and I thought, uh, you know, Jennifer Gardner and Ed Helms are two fairly well-known actors. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just I'll just give this one a try. The, I mean, the title of the movie is uh, kind of gives away what it's all about. Um, so I just thought uh, I was in the mood for something not so difficult to have to follow, I guess. That was my, my thought process. Is that what I got? I'm not sure, but that was my thought process.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and as you, you mentioned, you know, it's it's quite obvious. And the, this uh, kind of plot or 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 kind of trope of swapping bodies is it's nothing new. It's been done several times. So where did this idea originate from?
2: Yeah, you know, sometimes again when I when I thought about hitting play on this, I thought this is familiar, right? This is we've seen this before um the the genre of this swapping body things as far as my research goes came from a woman named mary rogers who uh wrote the book and the screenplay of freaky friday in 1976 and if folks don't remember freaky friday that was a mother and teen daughter who did a body switch freaky friday just for anecdotal sakes uh was remade three times um after the book was written i think the most uh prominent one was Jamie Lee Curtis uh, starring in that one. So um, I'm probably the most successful one. So, you know, this gets recycled over and over and over again as a genre.
0: And so how successful was Family Switch in trying to do something maybe a bit different involving the whole family opposed to just two people switching bodies?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably the primary difference. I mean, we've seen mother and daughter switches. We've seen father and son switches. We've seen, Uh, people switching into the bodies of murderers. We've seen, right, like there are all all sorts of different types of switches that we have seen over the years. Um, But this one is uh, a family switch. And so you are seeing uh, two parents and two teenagers switching. And then you are also seeing, they have a, 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 a toddler who's literally just starting to walk. So barely a toddler that switches into the body of the family dog. Um, which I could have lived without, to be honest. Um, I kind of That actually kind of ruined the film for me because, you know, you, you kind of bought the concept. You could almost buy the concept, Alex, if you were buying the concept, until the baby switches into the dog and you're like, okay, that's just a step too far in this, like step far enough, right? Um, but, you know, I think that that's how they were trying to achieve something different was the fact that they were looking at this perspective from a, from a family, as opposed to just a, a duo, a switch of a duo.
0: And as you mentioned uh, before, you know, this this film does have a couple of big names, Jennifer Gardner mm-hmm. and Ed Helms. How, how were the uh, kind of the performer dynamics in this film, especially when you have to basically take on two roles, as the same actor because of these these family swaps and these these body body swaps
2: yeah you know ed helms is a classic ham uh that's really what he's kind of been um made famous for is kind of that saturday night live hammy kind of character um and so he does that well that is his uh that is his his type um and he does that well in this uh, particular movie as well um jennifer gardner as of late has often been cast as um, I don't know how to, how to label her as this, but she gets cast as this mother figure that's very proper, very organized, very stern in some ways, um, like, like, you know, never gets to sort of be fun and let loose a little bit. Um, and so she is that, again, that archetype in this. Um, I, I kind of feel bad for Jennifer Gardner to be playing this sort of character kind of over and over again, because it, even as a character, as a a female archetype, why are we always labeling our mothers as this kind of character? But at at any rate, that's how she's labeled in this. And so, of course, you're asking for um, a mother who's kind of stiff upper lip to play a daughter who's like loose and free flowing, and then a, a father who is loose and free-flowing and carefree to play a son that has a little bit of anxiety and is kind of a mathematician nerdy like so they're doing kind of this complete opposite character switch um and so yeah you're asking both sets of actors to be versatile in playing both sets of characters right you got to see the same from the teenage performers to play the opposite as well and so um, that dynamic becomes really important when we talk about the audio description a little bit later um, and whether or not that works. Uh, in well, terms well of let's yeah, chase it up.
0: Right? Let's... let's let's get into that then like how was the audio description because you're you're not only okay you got to uh reference the character but it's the the character within the character so how did the audio description do at kind of making clear the the different characters and what roles they were playing at any given time
2: yeah so if we lead into that i mean one of the things is is that your characters have to be so different from each other that from an a storytelling perspective from an actor's perspective I have to be able to, like, if you know, take away the blindness, take away the access piece. I have to be able to tell non visually that, you know, the father is the son and the son is the father and the daughter is the mother and the mother is the daughter, right? Like, this could get really complicated. So you have to be able to tell um, just based on character that that is happening. Um, you know, sighted folks get other visual cues like how they're being dressed and body language and those things. Uh, but I got to be able to tell from sound of voice and by um, sort of a personality in the voice whether these are, whether these are, um, personality traits that that are transforming, right? Whether, whether, whether I buy Jennifer Garner as a 16-year-old girl um, and whether I buy Ed, Hel- Ed Helms as a, as a, I think he plays a 13-year-old boy. Um, so that's gotta come through. Did that always come through for me? Not so much always. Um, then you gotta rely on the audio description to be able to try and tell you these things. And I found the audio description to be quite complicated and not Mm -hmm. always very helpful um, because it would say things like Bill as Wyatt and Pickles as Miles. And I would think to myself, okay, uh, Bill as Wyatt. Okay, wait a second. Bill is the father and Wyatt is the son. So Bill as Wyatt means father as son. And, and so I was trying to like unwrap that all the time. And I think once we, we have done the switch, you know, if they say Wyatt, you know, that is in the father's body. Like they should have just stuck to the, the original character's name. Uh, and that would have been good enough for me, right? Because I, I, I know that the, the name of the father is Bill and I know the name of the son is Wyatt. And so if they would just said Wyatt, then I know that that is actually the adult playing that character now. Uh, but the the audio description kind of does this thing where it says you know one as the other and you're like, wait a minute, ah I can't right in that moment I can't figure that out And it becomes really more complicated when it's the dog as the baby uh, and sometimes I think that maybe the describer got confused and sent the wrong message and then I was like, wait a minute, who is who? Because the dog is doing some things that a baby, Shouldn't do like walking on two legs, and a baby is doing things like jumping on furniture that a dog wouldn't do, and or, like that a dog would do, and you're like, I'm so confused. Um, and so I don't know that the audio description really made that much of a difference for me, other than to just confuse me even further, <laughs> to be that, honest. That, that's very so fair, much that's very going fair. On.
0: Absolutely. And it's just trying to keep all of the context uh, straight there. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, because you, you mentioned too, with like, you know, Freaky Friday, there's been three remakes of it. Do you think that this genre and, and this kind of uh, trope of the body swatch, it's getting a bit kind of old and dated? It should maybe, maybe be put to bed for a little while?
2: You know, that's the thing about this is that I suppose that if we could figure out ways of we as in writers and actors and performers and whatever could figure out ways of making this really, really fresh and new, you know, that there's a lot of comfort in plots that we know, and there's only so many original plots, like, we will recycle plots over and over and over like we've, you know, we've talked about this many times on this platform, there are only so many storylines and so we recycle them over and over again and so you know sometimes we see this sort of body switch and they've taken a twist on it like 13 going on 30 which was another jennifer garner or 17 again which was matthew perry or big which was um uh tom hanks right so in big for example he's not switching a body with another character but he is in another body in that he's a child that has become an adult overnight right and so all of a sudden you are, you know, you were a, a ten-year-old and now you're a thirty-year-old. Um, so not necessarily switching another body with a mother or father or whatever that is, but a character that's grown up. I think that's the same premise in thirteen going on thirty and seventeen again, right? So it's a similar premise, but uh, still considered a body switch movie. You know, we saw that flip again in Face Off where you know it's not there's not sort of a fairy or a magical character that comes in and sort of grants you this wish this wish of switching you positions so that you learn a little bit about another person and you walk in their shoes for a day but you know face off was a whole other reason as to why you needed to switch characters for a day right more than a day in this case but uh so you know if we could find maybe interesting ways of recycling this particular genre maybe we would find that there's merit in it but i think that a lot of times it's an easy way to make a buck mm-hmm. Um, and so there aren't a lot of sort of thinking out of the box ways of recycling this this genre and then it gets kind of old and tropey and i think if you're gonna switch animals and people then that's got to be the whole premise of the of the piece and not just like we've switched to family and by the bar and i just that drove me bonkers <laughs> just drove me bonkers right. and i couldn't handle that
0: and so as a step too far does it mean are you going to recommend this movie are you not going to recommend this movie are you going to recommend this movie so people know what a uh not so entertaining movie is like where are you going with this one
2: i don't know i mean there were some really lovely funny moments in this movie and so it's not a total uh loss for me the gag reel was Absolutely fun to watch at the end, and I was so glad they put in a gag reel, because as you can imagine, you know, there's a lot of slip ups and a lot of mockery moments and a lot of interesting things that can happen when you're trying to play you know, opposite characters. And so that was really, really fun to watch. So I would say, you know, if you got nothing better to do on a weekend and you have a family that you want to watch a film with, that this is actually a nice little go-to movie. It's not the kind of movie that I would make my annual, you know, family movie of the year. There's a little Christmas twist on it. And so, you know, if you're looking for something to watch over the holidays, you could hit play on this one and sort of be safe in terms of it being a family-friendly film. Uh, But definitely don't turn it off when the credits come, stick around for that gag reel. Cause that sort of is the nice bow on the piece. So, you know, um, it's not the, I wouldn't waste your your hard earned theater dollars uh, to watch this kind of movie in a theater, but it's, you know, it's a a nice sort of short uh, film to watch on a rainy or snowy, if you're getting snow in Ontario uh, afternoon.
0: Very good, Amy, thank you very much. Have yourself a wonderful day. That was Amy Amanti, the AMI entertainment critic from Vancouver, B.C., and she reviewed the movie Family Switch, which is on Netflix. Now for one entertainment critic to an entertainment report with Amanda Shikarchi. Amanda, you wanted to talk about a new album release that first kind of got things started through TikTok. Tell me more.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Canadian artist Tate McRae's new album called Think Later. Greedy was the lead track from that album, and it was successful on TikTok. So, Alex, I will say I enjoyed the relatable lyrics, and, but the songs felt short and the production was simple. How do online platforms like TikTok impact the way songs are being written?
0: So in, in my view, like I, I there, there's two different ways like because like, it really depends on the medium of social media that that you use, you know, like for TikTok specifically, tock, specifically, you're looking for smaller kind of sound bites or, or clips or or kind of um, kind of small hits and pieces that are really going to sell within you know, the average uh, length of a video. So um, you're, you're going to look for, for shorter content that way. But when you look at the kind of the other side of the equation, if you look at like something like YouTube or, or, or Spotify, if you're putting on different platforms like that, I, I can foresee that you, you go a bit on the longer end of things because there's not really the the confines that you have to fit under. Obviously, you know, back in the day, there would be kind of very, measured in, in specific time lengths that radio stations and in different um, uh, uh, kind of players were, were looking to to have. So any of these longer songs like Stairway to Heaven or any of these classic five, six, seven, eight minute long songs would come with a radio edit to make it shorter for the listeners to, to listen at home. But I think nowadays it's the age of social media. It, there's a lot more of a, a freedom to kind of choose the the length or whatever feels right for the song. What about you, Amanda? How do you feel how has TikTok and other social media impacted kind of the 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 structure and the length of of songs and music now?
1: Yeah, so now with all these streaming services, we are getting songs that are much shorter. Like I've heard songs that are like maybe 2 minutes long, which is definitely different and you know, I'm a sucker for those long 5-6 minute ballads, but I definitely understand why we do it. We want to have that catchy hook, that catchy melody. And I also learned recently, too, that it has to do with when you're making money on streaming, that artists only get paid after the first 30 seconds of a song on streaming. So there's kind of that pressure there. And, you know, there are lots of artists that do want to write that perfect TikTok hit and then others who are like, you know what? I'm not really thinking about streaming. I just want to write a good song. So it's an interesting thing to discuss and consider.
0: Absolutely. Amanda, thank you so much for for bringing this story forward. You will be back next Monday as well with another entertainment report. So we look forward to that. Uh, But in the meantime, have yourself a wonderful day.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Absolutely. That was uh, entertainment reporter, Amanda Shikarchi. And uh, just another entertainment note, the Golden Globe nominations were just released this morning. And Laura Bain will have a full breakdown of that on her entertainment report tomorrow. But coming up in uh, the second hour of the show after the break, Brock Richardson is going to stop by. He has a recap for a busy weekend in sports. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv.
1: Hi, I'm Ramiya Amadun. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.